Radio Drone. This is Radio Drone, and I am Steven Seagal, a Josh Hadley. I am here with Brad Jones. Hey, what's up, man? And Alex Jowski. Hello. I can't do the Steven Seagal thing think the whole show. I was just I, trying I, to be <laughs> Steven Seagal movie character actor. Ja Rule? <laughs> Not that one. Oh, okay. Yes, if you guys can't tell, after the Adam and Eve promo, this is a very Seagal New Year. We will be looking at the Steven Seagal filmography. We don't normally look at actor filmographies. In Seagal's case, Brad, oh, I'm, making, I'm making an, an <laughs> exception. If you go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DRONE, you get free shipping in the United States, three free DVDs, 50% off with a single item, and a free mystery gift. It's not a mystery to Steven Seagal, but it's a mystery to Josh. So go to adamandeve.com. Drone. I can't do that for the whole show. It's really hurting my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, you and I grew up on Seagal, so we need a little background for how we tortured Alex over the last week. Really, the only Seagal movie he saw was Under Siege 2. Not a good one to start with. I made him watch all 15 of Seagal's theatrical films and a couple of the direct-to-DVD films over the last week. Yeah, mm. I've watched it, a lot of Seagal. I'm like halfway through Fire Down Below right now. Oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he made it through Against the Dark and On Deadly Ground. I made sure to start with Against the Dark and Half Past Dead, so I had a point of, well, it will never be that bad. We did that with Sarah, like, about a year or so, or it was shortly after Machete came out, and we watched part of one of his, uh, like, A Dangerous Man, I think is what it was called, part of one of his direct-to-video ones, and we found out that Sarah had never seen a proper Seagal movie before, and we're like, Really? She's like, no, no. And we're like, okay, you see this guy on screen right now? Yeah, this is not the person that we grew up with. (laughs) Not at all. So in the span of like two or three days, we watched uh, most of his theatrical ones. After a while, Alex went back and watched him in relative order. Yeah, I just made sure to watch the crappy ones first, so. (laughs) So we start with Above the Law. I did not see Above the Law in the theater. Above the Law... I didn't encounter until HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, Movie Channel, something like that. I caught it on paid cable, so I saw it uncut. I saw it after Marked for Death, unfortunately. So Above the Law, I didn't like as much because Marked for Death had already set the bar a little too high. Your thoughts on Above the Law and Steven Seagal playing Nico Toscanani? I was with Above the Law. I kind of like you in that. Above the Law is something I appreciated probably more so the the second time I saw it, because I had seen uh, Out for Justice was the first movie of his I saw, and then I saw Mark for Death and some of the other ones, and then I had gone back and seen Above the Law, and Above the Law is very much a different kind of movie. Andrew Davis really does for Seagal in that, what he did with like Chuck Norris in Code of Silence. It's it's more of a straightforward cop movie than, say, some, than, say some of like Seagal's other movies. It's very much a cop thriller. But And I didn't know that going into it, so I was expecting more so something like Out for Justice or Mark for Death. And that movie, it really wasn't that kind of movie, so that threw me off the first time I saw it. But then, in subsequent viewings of it, I certainly appreciate it a lot more. I think it is a, a very good cop thriller. And I believe the way Roger Ebert put it, and I can't disagree with him, but I can't 100% agree with him. He said there is way too much plot going on for a simple action movie. There is. Yeah, there, there, there certainly is. 
So, Alex, above the law, your thoughts is you, you're, you're going to be kind of the control group in this, since Brad and I grew up with this guy. Yeah, we're biased. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Above the law, it was just pretty good cop thriller, like Brad said. I mean, nothing spectacular. It's not like this terrific, great movie that everybody should rush out and see, but it's not bad. It's yeah, pretty I, representative I, I, of its genre. Yeah, I, I prefer Code of Silence, but but Above the Law is pretty good. Between when you have a movie where the two cops are Steven Seagal and Pam Greer, you're gonna find something to like. And Pam Greer looking about as hot as she ever could. Absolutely. Oh, Pam Greer was great in this, and then and then yeah. you've got Henry Silva as the creepy CIA agent. Seagal actually takes quite a few licks in this one. I was about to say that. It's one of the few ones where Seagal actually gets his ass handed to him in a couple parts. And then he gets the interrogation scene where they're sticking the sodium pentothal in his veins and all that. Yeah. This is the one that I think would throw everybody off if they knew what Seagal was now and you go back. This is the most un-Seagal-like of his movie. I completely agree. With the exception of Machete. (laughs) <laughs> we will get to Machete. And I, but, but see, I don't consider that a Seagal movie. No, it's not. That's a Danny Trejo movie that has Seagal in it, but we'll get to that. Then we go to Mason Storm in Hard to Kill. My issue with Hard to Kill was the plot is absolutely ridiculous. I, did, I do not think Hard to Kill was a good follow-up to Above the Law. The plot is stupid. It requires so much coincidence. And it starts with the terrible one-liners. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator. The blood, the blood bank. bank. I love, I love that, that line. <laughs> that line's I, great. I, I, I didn't enjoy Hard to Kill as much, but I didn't see it again until after Marked for Death. So I just kind of went, okay, it was just not a great one, but still Marked for Death is awesome. We'll, we'll no, get to what's, that. What's great about that line, though, is he doesn't say it to anybody. He's just staring at a TV that's turned off. Yes, that, that was just for him. <laughs> yeah. And you know you're a badass when you're making one-liners to yourself. Hard to kill, I think, is okay. I don't, I don't have a problem with it being stupid, because as long as, as long as it does stupid well and makes stupid entertaining, then I'm totally fine with that. Same thing with coincidences and stuff like that. As long as they do it well, that doesn't bother me. And it didn't bother me in Hard to Kill. What honestly bothers me about Hard to Kill, I don't like it in an action movie when the lead villain just simply gets arrested. You, you, <laughs> yes. you need a death, right? I don't like, I hate that. I find that to be such a cop-out. I hate that with a fiery passion. And oh, this we... movie does that. And I, every time I think about Hard to Kill, that's one of the main things that comes to my head. Because that is just such, such a cop-out. I really don't like that. Although the way he toys with him at the end there, before he gets arrested, is fun. Yeah, that was fine. That was fine. If it just paid off and it doesn't. In his mouth. With the shotgun in his mouth. Yeah, that was fine. And, and just, I gotta say, I love William Sadler as a villain. William yeah, Sadler yeah, he was an awesome actor. Yeah, he was great. He was he was fantastic in it. And Hard to Kill made way more money than Above the Law did. So I think at this point, Warner Brothers was starting to notice we've got a movie star on our hands that this guy wasn't a fluke. And that was solidified in 1990, also in 1990, with Marked for Death and him playing John Hatcher. Or I believe... The way I, I want Hatcher dead, I want his family dead, and if you, you can't kill, kill him, I go and kill him, and then yeah. I kill you! Screwface is a great villain, or should I say villains, plot twist. 
But, I love that twist. That twist freaking got me. <laughs> let's hope there's not triplets. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about Mark for Death was, I believe the way Alex put it on Facebook was, it's an hour and a half of Seagal killing everything with a dreadlock. It's about time. Yeah, and? <laughs> Although it occurred to me, thinking more about it and talking about it today, because it's all this evil Rastafarian gangs, which are also in Predator 2 that came out the same year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Apparently there actually was a serious problem with Rastafarian gangs back then. It had a pretty good story, great cast, great supporting cast. Oh, yeah. It had great one-liners that didn't feel forced. And a lot of the one-liners didn't feel as forced as, say, a Schwarzenegger film of the same era did. I'm, I agree with Josh. It, it, they came, they came, the one-liners in that movie came across really genuine, and that's why I like Steven Seagal, is that Steven Seagal, he's great at playing that part. I, I mean, yeah, every now and then you get a blood bank type line like that. But other times, though, he it really seems like something that that character would say. You know, outside of the fact that it's an action movie and you have a lot of one-liners in them, Steven Seagal is so good and so genuine at just kind of slipping those in there so quietly that, it, you, it, to me, a lot of times it comes across like, you know what, that's probably something that that guy would actually say. So, Alex, you being the control group, marked for death, was it just Seagal killing Rastafarians? Yeah, but it was hilarious. It's fun. I, I love Mark for Death. Mark for Death's one of my favorite movies of his. Screwface is a fantastic villain. But the, real quick though, but the funny, and Alex mentioned this on Facebook too, the funniest line in the movie, if we're talking in terms of un, unintentional hilarity, is uh, when uh, Daniel Harris gets shot. Yeah, Elizabeth Grayson from Highlander the series plays the her Raven. mom too. Highlander the Raven. When she goes, Johnny! They hurt my, my baby! baby. I, I, I oh, also, and it's all in slow motion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Here's my thing with Marked for Death. I just think it's a genuinely good film. Right? You've, you've, you've also got Keith David. You got to you get to see Steven Seagal slapping the holy hell out of a really young Danny Trejo at the beginning, too. Yeah, just tossing him in the trunk. Danny Trejo would get his revenge 20 years later. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Danny Trey was almost unrecognizable in this. He's so goddamn skinny, too. But I saw Mark for Death in the theaters, the first one I saw in the theater, and it just blew me away. I mean, that is, before 90s action movies, to me, lapsed into self-parody, unintentional self-parody. I think Mark for Death is one of the, the perfect example of what a good 90s action movie was. I agree. Mark for Death, uh, again, is one of the first. It's probably the, the second one of his I saw. I didn't see it in the theater. My dad and I were big Seagal fans. Uh, we watched Seagal. Or we watched action movies all the time anyway. But like but Seagal, Seagal for a while there was kind of our guy. The first one, the first one I actually saw in the theater was Under Siege. Uh, the ones prior just on on HBO or we rented them prototypical of everything that was going on with 90s actions the one-liners specifically but it's yeah. a very good example of them i mean there's a lot of 90s action movies out there that don't reach the level that march for death set for them he breaks a lot of bones too oh yeah he breaks a lot of dudes arms and there's yeah. a lot of gorgeous women that are naked in march for death that that was a <laughs> good selling point and it, it was funny alex was asking me last night like why did Screwface keep calling everyone a blood clot, man? Blood clot basically means bloody tampon. It's 
calling someone that in Jamaican is a slur that's basically attacking someone's manhood. And then he's then he's just like, oh, okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. Did the twist get you, or did the you twist? Expect- I didn't expect the twist. The twist did get me. It got like, me was... too. It, it got me too. I, I remember being being a kid and being like, whoa. Well, I didn't expect that. This is also another one where Seagal took a lot of hits. Screwface kicked the crap out of him at one point. Well, that that one ended, that that confrontation ended pretty quick. I remember seeing it for the first time, and he cuts his head off, and I remember being sort of like, well, that was fast. But, of course, that was the first time I saw it, so I didn't expect, like, oh, okay, well, there's two. All right, okay, all right, now it all makes sense now. You got me, movie. And the movie just ends right there it's go he goes oh, let's hope there's not triplets and then credits roll also I, re- I really like the music and i mean the score to this one just look at the montage getting their weapons ready and putting the cyanide in the bullets scene yeah. i really like this the score to this one it was very 1990 without seeming kitschy yeah i no 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 i i agree with you all right and then we move on to 1991 as seagal is very quickly rising to movie star status with Out for Justice, where he is Detective Gino Fellino. My favorite Seagal movie. Mine too. That has been my favorite because it's so insane. And see, I, I, I can't agree it's a good one. Don't get me wrong. I, I prefer Marked for Death, but Out for Justice is a close, it's really close to that. All you need to know to, to show that Seagal used to really be a real movie star is the interrogation scene in the bar. That is, to me, hands down, the greatest Steven Seagal scene of all time. Yeah, he he owns every second of that scene. And that Who's seems hot a good four this, minutes huh? long. Who's yeah. hot dogs? Is this yours? This is your trophy! I see all these boxing memorabilia up here. You a boxer? You a boxer? You gonna take a swing at me? And he keeps pushing the guy in the uh, phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> reading that in order to secure a good rating and other releases of Out for Justice, the one shot they had to cut out was him putting the cue ball in the cloth in the so, bar scene. So it just looks like cloth is knocking teeth out? Yeah, That's it just looks weird. like his fist instead of he's actually using a weapon. Knock my teeth out, Gino! He's, that guy's just spitting out teeth, too. He, I remember eight teeth come out. Siskel and Ebert reviewed it. Ebert was Ebert was being kind of snobby about it. Like, I mean, he was laughing. He was like, he's like, well, okay, well, hey, here's a movie that just says, okay, if someone if if someone does you wrong, here you go, Gino. Here's a shotgun, just go kill him. So he was kind of laughing, but he gave it a thumbs down. But Siskel, on the other hand, was a big Seagal fan. Like Siskel was like, he's like, you know, he's like, you know what? I love this guy. This guy is great. This movie is a lot of fun. So props, props to Siskel for that. And we, we can't not mention that William Forsythe was oh, in. It's like almost like he was in another movie. And oh, I, I'm not Paul saying that in a bad though, way. He steals his performance in there is amazing because you have just so much violence in the movie that everybody's uh-huh. okay with. Like when he tell when Seagal tells. And he tells his yeah. parents that I'm going to kill your son. They're just like, okay. When he tells Jerry Orbach, give me a shotgun and yeah. an unmarked. And he's All right, like, okay, Gino. there you go. There you go. You know, so you have this like just insane version of Brooklyn. And for somebody to be too insane for it, you have Richie. And William Forsythe does a great job with that. And then after the success of that, Warner Brothers was still backing Seagal. They made Under Siege. With with Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones and Clone Meany and pretty much just anyone else who was a decent name at that time. I saw Under Siege in the theater. 
I thought Under Siege was a great film. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. The story kind of makes sense, even, even on an action movie level. It's got great performances by everyone involved. And Under Siege is the movie that made Seagal a superstar. That was his yeah. first blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Under Siege is a terrific film. I like it. That. Is that is a great that's a great action movie. It, it truly is. You have a you have a hero that's smart, very funny, freaking handles himself, of course. And then you've got Tommy Lee Jones's over the top villain who's hilarious. And I love too that they give him the side that they give. Seagal, the sidekick of Erica Aliniak, if you had a lesser person making this movie, that would have been really kind of dumb. But they make that work in this, having him have a partner who's a Playboy centerfold. Who fell asleep in the cake. Who fell asleep in the cake. Like, that worked. There was some really good chemistry between the two of them. Like, him explaining the difference between automatic and semi-automatic. And she she does stuff in the movie. I mean, she she she's not just there. She does stuff in this film. She, she kills Colmini. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she contributes to what is going on. And if a lesser person was put in charge of that, that that could have come across really stupid. But in that, they they really they really made that work. Because of the success of Under Siege, Seagal's ego started to kick in. This was starting the yeah. beginning of the fall of Seagal. Mm-hmm. He started making demands. The only way, because Warner Brothers wanted him to do Under Siege too. He said the only way he'd do that is if they backed his directorial effort on Deadly Ground, which is our next film. Uh And as as I think anyone who's ever seen that movie can see, that movie is a vanity project through and through, and it's a bad one. I kind of liked On Deadly Ground. Seriously? Seriously. On Deadly Ground, when you compare it to the last ten years of Steven Seagal, it's not quite as bad as a lot of those direct-to-video ones. Don't get me wrong, I think it's bad. He's done way, 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 way worse since then. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't really like On Deadly Ground, but I can name a couple qualities of it I liked. I liked I liked Johnny C's part. Oh, that's <laughs> probably Dr. the best thing about it. And it's when it he's torturing the old guy. Yeah, yeah, that part was good. I, I liked Dr. Cox. I liked Johnny C in the movie. I, I thought Michael Caine was fine. Arlie Ermey and Billy Bob Thornton as thugs. Yeah, the only thing I, thought, I didn't like about Michael Caine was his hair. That was that yeah, movie. that was kind of weird. But like, but I thought he was fine. I thought the shootout at the end was fine when he uses a soda bottle as a, a silencer. I can name a few parts of it that I like. I don't think it's a very good movie. It's it's it, like what Josh said. It's too much of a blatant vanity project and with a lot of bad qualities of a vanity project and yeah. a lot of shoehorned in messages the yeah. environmental message where where Seagal was falling in real life at that point is yeah. so brutally over the top that it it's, it's it's almost oppressive and well, then in fact that the, the ending of the movie is just Seagal monologuing about the environment and yeah for five straight sources. minutes yeah and it's yeah. showing like stock footage of pollution and and then yeah. and then you you got this weird thing and this would also carry on to Fire Down Below as well oh, which is which was way away. worse than which was way worse than On Deadly Ground yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit but he he's just obsessed with hitting people in the nuts and overdubbing people going oh my nuts oh my yeah. nuts I mean 
everybody gets hit in the nuts in this, and they have like an "Oh my nuts!" or "Oh my testicles!" and it's oh, like, I are like- you serious? Well, and then on Deadly Ground was destroyed by the critics. It did not do well financially. So Under Siege 2 Dark Territory could have been Seagal's comeback. It but could have put him back into good the good graces of Warner Brothers. And it's the only one I haven't seen, so I have no opinion on the film itself. Really? Yeah, it's really? the only I've never seen it. But it's not that bad. But it did not do well financially, so it can be considered a flop. It it's is not nowhere bad. near as good as Under Siege, though. No, it's it's not as good as Under Siege, but as a diehard clone, you know, terrorists are on board a train. I I liked I I like Under Siege too. Uh, no, it, it's not as good as un, the first one, but but it's it's got it's it's got some good moments to it. I I like it, you know, like uh, the the kid saying to his when Seagal gets kind of shot in the arm, he's like, "Oh shit, man, you've been shot!" And Seagal's like, "What? Is is he has been shot? This ain't being shot." I liked uh I liked Eric Bogosian as the nerdy villain <laughs> Everett McGill. I liked him. I thought the villains were solid in it. I thought it was entertaining. I, and that's and at the end of the day, that's all it's supposed to be is entertaining yeah. action flick. And I thought it worked. I I liked, I I did like how it got pretty over the top. I I did like Seagal outrunning a train collision at the end. Yeah, and the um, that was just blatantly cartoonish, and I that was kind of fun. And this and is he, the only time Seagal has ever played the same character twice. Well, the same named character twice. <laughs> all of his early characters are basically the same character, but you know what I mean. I did not like the fact that he, the, the the introduction of this niece that he's taking care of in that one. I can't stand Catherine Heigl, so she she didn't really annoy me. She didn't. That was early in her career. She didn't really annoy me in that one, so I thought she was fine. Then there was Executive Decision, was sold as a Seagal movie. His name's all over the poster. His name his name is all over the trailer. It was sold as a Steven Seagal film, and he was very much just part of an ensemble. The fact Not a very the, big part of that. Yeah, yeah. The, the movie's two hours and 12 minutes, and he dies at the 42-minute mark. So that was a little atypical. I will admit, they got me. I didn't see that coming. I did. I went to go see this going, oh, it's a Seagal movie, and then going, wait a minute, Seagal died? We're not even ha- No, Seagal can't be dead. That's the only Seagal film I saw in theaters, but I saw it because I'm like, oh, this looks like a good action film. I didn't see it because of Seagal or Kurt Russell or any of the people. I just like, oh, action movie, I'll go watch it. I saw, I did see it because Seagal was in it, but I had a feeling he was going to die early on in the movie. Because the posters did say, and Steven Seagal. It listed Kurt Russell, Leguizamo, Oliver Platt, and all these people, and then it said, and Steven Seagal. And there were rumors circulating that he, that he, was going to die. So once they were passing through that little tunnel between the two planes, because I remembered that part from the trailer, which was all over the trailers where we're not going to make it. You are, which gives it, which to me gave it away. So once that happened, I remember being like, they're going to kill him off. They're going to, they're going to kill him off. And then they do. And I was pissed. Like, even though I saw it coming, I was pissed. I was pissed that they killed off Steven Seagal. So for that reason, I didn't care much for that movie for a while. I saw it again years later and enjoyed it a lot more. 
I, uh, I, I, I liked it a lot more the second time I saw it as well, because just like you, I was a little pissed that there was no Seagal in the last two thirds of the film. Yeah, that, that did piss me off. It did, it did genuinely piss me off. Like, I, I did see it years later, and I was like, you know what, this is a pretty suspenseful movie. And I liked, I, I liked it. Well, and then after that, then he went on the same year of executive decision to make The Glimmer Man, which on the surface is a very un like Seagal movie. It's a serial killer film. And we hadn't really seen a Steven Seagal hunting a serial killer movie, especially with a wacky black sidekick yet. Oh, but yeah, he would get wacky black sidekicks plenty more times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but this was the first time he had a wacky black sidekick. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. I was just kind of meh on yeah. Glimmer Man. There were too much, too much of like, there were too, I liked it better when it was in the theater than I did when I saw it years later. Because I watched it again maybe a year ago when we were watching these movies with Sarah, and I was like, man, this hasn't really held up very well. The serial killer movie, but there's still plenty of like Russian mafias for him to beat up. The scene in the restaurant was good. Uh, the little thing with the credit card was good. That I love that scene in the restaurant where the guy keeps giving him attitude after Seagal has beat the crap out of him a few times. If I see you in here or your sissy beads, I'm going to kick your ass. And Seagal just throws him through a wall again. And Brian uh, Cox is awesome in anything. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yes. yeah. But it had it did have too much of the... Where you could tell it was like, okay, Steven Seagal made them add this. Like the stuff like with his beads and how he he looks like he, he looks like a monk more than the, he does the herbal them. medicine store. Yeah, yeah. Like this is he just made them put that in there. It had too much of that, but it wasn't. It's not great. I I don't think it's bad. I I don't think it's aged well at all. <laughs> well, and he basically plays the same character in the movie Ticker, which we'll get to in a little bit. He more or less plays the exact same character, the cop who's deep and introspective, but does his job. Ah, same as you. It's just pretty much meh. It's not good. It's not bad. It's Could have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But then we move on to what I think is easily his worst theatrical film, and that is Fire Down Below, which was another vanity project. He co-wrote it. He produced it. He didn't direct this time, thankfully. Fire yeah. Down Below is everything that is wrong with a vanity project. I know yeah. the first 45 minutes I've watched have just been absolutely boring. When you, It's boring as hell. <laughs> when you waste, like, Seagal in an action movie and Stephen Lang as one of the villains, you've got some, your movie's got yeah. some problems. Like, I love Stephen Lang. Oh, this, Stephen Lang is awesome. <laughs> I love Stephen Lang, and he's just wasted in this movie. <laughs> it's taken me two hours to watch the first 45 minutes. It's that boring. I saw it in the theater, and it was painful. Oh my, I, Josh is completely right. In terms of his theatrical films, by far his worst. By far. That was, I, th I found that completely, completely unwatchable. Like, it made, it made On Deadly Ground look like Under Siege, because at least On Deadly Ground had some decent action. It had, had things happen in it. Yeah. yeah, it had things happening in it. Your climax wasn't, oh no, the church is on fire. <laughs> Mark Helgenberger does actually try to act in this, though. I, I'll have to take your word on that. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. I caught it on cable about a year ago, actually. My, my wife actually asked me why I was watching it. And I'm just like, it's Seagal, I guess. So I didn't really have a good reason. In just the yeah. first 45 minutes, the most he's done is fixed a porch. 
what the hell? And they sum up the entire plot of the movie during the opening credits. They do, in flashback, all sepia-toned. Yeah, what the hell? Well, and then that was basically it for Warner Brothers. I mean, obviously they'd come back later with Exit Wounds, but that was basically it for a few years. They'd had it with Seagal, they'd had it with his ego, they'd had it with his demands. He just kind of went away for a year and then came back with The Patriot, which would be his first direct-to-video in America film. It was still not a low budget. It was a $25 million film, and pretty much everywhere except America and Canada got The Patriot theatrically. We were the only ones that didn't because I think Warner Brothers just said, we've had it with this guy intended to be direct-to-video to to begin with it wasn't it wasn't intended to be direct-to-video because i remember when that was announced i remember reading that in entertainment weekly that they announced that that wasn't going to be theatrical it's going to go direct-to-video and also they had something in there about that genghis khan vanity project he wanted to do for a while i remember that yes i watched the patriot last night it's like glimmer man it's not good but it's not bad I mean, there are maybe only three fight scenes in it, max, and you get to see him playing a holistic doctor who also used to work for a biochemical lab and has to stop a militant group from releasing a plague on the United States. So you kind of got a Steven Seagal outbreak movie. I I didn't see The Patriot, and I I mentioned to you before the show why I didn't see it, because I remember it, it came on video, or no, maybe it maybe it was when it went on like HBO or something. And like my dad had taped it and my dad said like, it's like, well, I taped the Patriot. Uh, do you want to watch it? And we'd been burned, you know, because we, we saw, we were, we watched Seagal movies all the time, but fire down below really kind of. Mm. So anyway, I said to him, my dad, I was like, you know what? No, I was like, not after fire down below. I just, I just I can't, can't do it. <laughs> I can't, I can't do that to myself. I just can't. I think my dad still watched it at some point and said it wasn't very good, but I, I never saw it. I actually have not seen that one yet. That one is coming up next. It being non-theatrical in the United States and didn't do very well on video, Seagal basically took a three-year gap. He didn't make anything. I think that's... Okay. I don't know, he probably pursued his music career at this point. Yeah, I think, he, he, I think he did. Yeah, he he concentrated on his music career during this little downtime, and it took three years for 2001's Exit Wounds to come out, which I saw in the theater. I'm like, yeah, Seagal in the theater again. And Exit Wounds is the first half's pretty decent. It's got a yeah, good car chase. The car, it's got a good car chase. You know, I was excited when that movie came out. That movie really kind of it it, it kind of like gave me. Back my like, oh yeah, Seagal. It gave me back those feelings, you know. But like, yeah, we got a new Seagal yeah, movie. He's breaking out. people's arms and everything again. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he's. I was like, he's back. He's breaking people's arms. I was like, he's lost a lot of weight. This doesn't look like a vanity project. It doesn't look like anything like that. This, this. I was like, this looks like you know an early like Seagal movie. So I remember me and my dad were both like, all right, this might be really good, and we go see it and. Parts were good. <laughs> there was a sea change that had happened for not only action movies, but Seagal movies. The first time when he's fighting the car thieves outside his car, and it's obvious Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon style wire work. I went, yeah. oh, no. Yeah, Steven fell yeah. into wire work. 
I know. I was so disappointed. Uh, the the movie I I didn't think the movie was terrible. Like it was it was a step up from Fire Down Below. I'll I'll give it that, but still nowhere near Out for Justice or Under Siege. I mean, he was I thought he was good. I mean, he wasn't I didn't think he, it looked like he was sleepwalking through it or anything. He he was good. I think he really put forth a lot of effort into it. I thought he yeah. lost a lot of weight and he was really doing some pretty funny stuff. I, I like Seagal in an anger management group. That that I thought was funny. I thought that, that that was a very amusing thing too. I think Seagal is the best thing about that movie because the problems I have with that film are all the supporting cast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By far, by far, Steven Seagal is definitely the best part of that movie. But see, here was here was what happened. Exit Wounds made a lot of money and it struck a huge core with black audiences. Well, that's so what they... all of a sudden, Steven Seagal became like this white action hero to blacks because of exit wounds. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but he tried to capitalize on that with Half Past Dead. Before that, he had already made the movie Ticker, which yeah. would come out between Exit Wounds and Half Past Dead. Ticker, again, it was theatrical everywhere except here. So this would technically be his second direct-to-video movie lead? here. Is he the lead in that, or just a supporting character? He's a supporting. Ticker is not necessarily a bad movie, but it's definitely not good. Albert Pune has outright said he can't stand the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut's a mess. He's released his own director's cut, which I haven't seen. You've got Tom Sizemore and Dennis Hopper and Jamie Presley and Steven Seagal and Joe Spano and Kevin Gage. and you, You've got this really interesting cast... Yet, if you watch the trailer, they clearly tried to make this a post-exit wounds, let's hit an urban audience. Two of the actors, and I use that word loosely, that are featured in the trailer are Naz and Chile. I've never even heard of these people. Both of their characters are completely incidental to the plot, and they have a total of three minutes of screen time. And they are heavily featured in the trailer and on the poster. The audience they were trying to hit was... Seagal's a hit with black people. We put some black R&B singers in this, and we got a hit. The movie is all right. That's all I can say about Ticker is it's just. Awkward. I never saw. I never saw Ticker. I, I didn't. I, I didn't see Ticker, and I, I. I honestly didn't see Half Past Dead either. Now that I think about it, or all the way through, I've seen parts. I think Half Past Dead was pandering on multiple levels. Half when, Past Dead is horrible. Yes, it is, but. They they had a, a bunch of hip hop actors in it. They were clearly trying to hit the urban audience, and they even have a scene where Ja Rule teaches Seagal how to say "I" correctly. That yeah. was cringe-inducing oh. to me. Yeah, because isn't he supposed to be like Russian or something? Yeah, his name in is it? Sacha Petrovich. Of course, yeah, it and is. he's he's an FBI agent deep, deep undercover to investigate this mob. So he goes to jail with the mob. Then they've like reopened Alcatraz, so they're all on Alcatraz, and then terrorists come in. And the only the only thing good about it is Bruce Weiss. Bruce Weiss from Hill Street Blues. It's like he's in a different film. He's trying to give as much dignity to his performance as he can. The other huge problem with Half Past Dead is it was cut to be PG thirteen. That was going to be yeah. my, my next thing. Is and there's so Seagal's many times thirteen. Yeah, you you can see where the cuts are where he like punches someone, and then they die. There's even a scene where he is sewing up a bullet wound in his shoulder, but we never saw him get shot. 
that's why I didn't see it in the theater when it came out because it was released with a PG-13. That's why I didn't go see it. And then once it hit video, I just forgot and never saw it. Like I heard it was terrible, so I was like, oh, okay, I maybe I shouldn't see this because it definitely looked like it was trying to capitalize on the relative success of Exit Wounds, and Exit Wounds wasn't that great. I was sort of like, I don't know about this, so I just never saw it. And then when you can't even get Seagal for Half Past Dead 2, don't even make it. As far as I know, Half Past Dead is Seagal's only PG-13 film. I, I believe so. I would, I'd believe it, yeah. And then after that, after the real bomb that was Half Past Dead, Seagal was basically regulated to direct-to-video. And yeah. that's where he stayed for the longest time, and I haven't seen many of those. There was one direct-to-video one. There was this weird time in around 2006 to 2008 where Seagal had decided parodying himself was a good idea. Do you remember the Mountain Dew commercial he did around yeah, that time? I, yeah, I thought that was funny. That was hilarious. Yeah. And then he did the Onion movie. That, oh, the that Onion movie funny. is great. Where he I, plays I, a character named Cock Puncher who just punches people in the dicks, and he's got a huge rooster on his kimono, and he's hilarious as Cock Puncher. Yeah, I, th I thought the Onion movie was hysterical. I agree. And I liked the fact that he was willing to parody basically what he'd become at that point. Yeah, and he did it, and not only doing that, but doing it well, too. And he was a surprise, because I didn't see the trailer before. I, I caught the Onion movie on, like, pay cable. So I just caught it one day, and I'm like, Steven Seagal's in this? What the hell? I knew he was in the Onion movie, because the Onion movie is one that was released, like, quite a few years after it was made. Yeah, so, it was released in 08, but made in 06. And it was released really silently, because it wasn't until, like, end that I'm like, wait, they made a movie? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like, I, I worked at a video store when it came out, so it, it hit the show. We actually got quite a few copies of it. So I, I took it home and, and, and watched it and, and thought it was hilarious. But I knew I knew that he was in it because with it having been made for a few years, it was always on his it had always been on his IMDb page for the few years leading up to its release. And, and at that point, you were probably wondering, cock puncher? Yeah, 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 I was. I was going like, what the hell is cock puncher? And then the only other of his direct to videos that I saw was Against the Dark, where Okay, do you guys remember Silent Rage when Chuck Norris fought zombies? The yeah. only time he's really made a genre flick? I guess this was Seagal's genre flick, where he's a fat, out-of-shape, sword-wielding vampire killer in a dystopian future who loses 40 pounds every time an action scene comes about. Yeah, well, no. he's only in half the movie. Not even. He's maybe got 25 minutes of total Oh, but the time. DVD sells it. His Steven Seagal is in this movie. Against the Dark was just an average vampire flick. Vampires with that run real fast well, are more like zombies. It's vampire yeah. zombies that talk. Yeah, yeah and yeah. just all of a sudden, Seagal, whose character's name is Tao, comes in and occasionally kills somebody with a sword. That's well, about for the it. First, for the first 75% of the movie, every time it shows him, it's just his character walking to where the action is. Yeah, he doesn't do anything in most of the movie. And whenever they have him, they stretch the screen out to, to make him look thinner. Yeah, yeah, they did that too. And the weirdest thing, he's the reason the film got made. He stumbled upon the script and liked it so much, he's the one who talked the company into making it. 
And that's why he agreed to be in it. He thought it was a really fun idea. I have only seen few of his direct-to-video ones. I, I know he's made a lot. I, I saw Against the Dark. I saw parts of A Dangerous Man, which was terrible. Part I saw most of Pistol Whipped, which wasn't very good. And it's just, I can't, like, it's just... It's hard for me to watch those because they're just, they're painful to sit through because he just, he's just there. He doesn't, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's out of shape. He's in several, in in a dangerous man, there are scenes where he's obviously reading the script, which is right in front of him on the table. Like it is the polar opposite of the Van Damme direct to video movies, which in my opinion got better, got better better like van damme when van damme went direct to video his movies in my opinion did they did get better and i liked a lot of his theatrical ones too but when he went direct to video he he took that as an opportunity to get darker to do much more brutal movies to make some grittier flicks and not only that but his performance even got better with with each movie and which is like the polar opposite of the Seagal, of the Seagal direct-to-video ones, which I just, I can't get through them because they just depress me so much. The only other direct-to-video one I saw was Driven to Kill, which was the same year as Against the Dark. And yeah, it's just generic and dull. And see, a lot of the direct-to-videos, they all take place in Europe because that was the only people that they could find financing for were European investment firms. So they have to find a way to always make him the CIA agent tracking the terrorist over to Czechoslovakia and whatnot. And in a lot of cases, they couldn't even get him to come back to loop himself. I saw part of uh, one of them that did that uh, attack force where they got a guy to dub him for like half the movie. And it was a guy who wasn't even attempting to do a Steven Seagal impression. And then see right around this time, though is where he had a lot of legal problems. He he was accused of uh, sexual slavery and importing girls for the purposes of sex. Good lord. So he had some legal problems, and I'm sure any movie that came with a paycheck was probably a sign on the dotted line to pay legal bills. Because he, he, he has a thing for Asians. He would bring Asian girls over. They would be like his personal secretary... And I think three of them all got together and filed a lawsuit against him saying that after a couple of months, he kept pressuring them if they wanted to keep their jobs, they needed to start servicing him. So he was charged with sexual slavery by bringing foreigners over for the purposes of sex. Well, you know, everyone's got their kink. I think at this time, he was taking anything that had a paycheck attached to it. I yeah. don't hold I don't hold that against Seagal. If I had money, I'd probably do the same. <laughs> Fair enough. But then we go to 2010, and this is where I was arguing with Alex. I don't consider Machete to be a Seagal movie. It's a Danny Trejo movie that Steven Seagal is just really good in. He plays a cartel boss named Torres who has one of the best death scenes ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of payback from Marked for Death. (laughs) I wonder if Seagal even remembered Danny Trejo from the Marked for Death era. I remember me. They... Remember me, Puta? You threw me in the trunk, S.A. Yeah, like, what I was saying, like, earlier about, like, finding a lot of his recent work just to be depressing because he's so blatantly not freaking trying in them. Machete, that wasn't the case. When I Looks saw like he him, was having fun. Yeah, when I saw him in Machete, he was having fun. Like, he was, I mean, granted, he's playing a villain. He's not playing the hero. And, and you're right when you say it, it, it's, it's a Danny Trejo movie. But he was 
giving a solid performance in that. He was a good villain. He was like he was. I bought it. I did. And Seagal, not the best at doing accents. Um, <laughs> That's true. I went. I went along with that. Like I was. I was like, okay. I. You know what? I'm buying that he's that he's Mexican in this. And you know what? Same thing in uh, in um, uh, Out for Justice with the uh, the Italian accent with the, with the Bronx Brooklyn accent. Yeah, I, he was I, very I, New York in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought that. I did. I I bought that. It might not be the most realistic in the world, but he sold it well in that movie. Like it, <laughs> I've but seen see, it first. It, like it, I, it, I, it I went also, along with it. I, I bought it. I went along with it. Cuz it's the mo- it's not a very realistic movie anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean like if you can have a movie that's not realistic, but if you're doing the accent laughably bad. Yeah. <laughs> Danny Trejo does not kill him. Technically, he commits seppuku. Yeah, because he, he gets the machete yeah. in his chest, and he's like... Eh, and he's just kind of like, what, is that all you got? I'll show you. And he kills himself. I loved Machete even without Seagal, but I was so happy the first time I saw the trailer for Machete, and it's and Steven Seagal. I'm like, yes! Yeah, yeah, dude, that totally. Seagal again! Yeah, exactly. And he killed in that movie. He did. That was like... That was like, even though, he, again, he's playing the villain, that, that was like having Seagal back, because that was, he had energy in it, he was alive, he was charismatic, he was that Seagal, that, he was that Seagal that I had missed for all these years. He was still big, though. Still, yeah, still, but you know what, though, I could, I can deal with that if there's still charisma, if there's still energy in the performance, if there's still some semblance of a somebody there inside that body a fat like, but, villain makes better sense than a fat hero yeah 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 <laughs> that's that's true too that that's that's very true too and, and then he he went back to direct to dvd for a while and then he had and i've only seen the first two episodes his new surprising hit tv series and by new i mean it was made four years before it was shown true justice True Justice, I saw the first episode, and kind of like I just said with Machete, uh, he was, I thought he was really selling that. Uh, I thought he took like a, a nice hit to his ego. He seemed to really put his ego aside. He lets a lot of the other characters carry that, the, the show, and he really just, just kind of comes off like their boss. And not yeah. like it's a Steven Seagal TV show that you happen to be on. It's, I'm part of this ensemble cast. Yeah, yeah, I, it wasn't it wasn't a great show, but I thought he was good in it. That was again, like I was saying about Machete. I watched the the first episode of of that show, True Justice, and was and was like, this is he's still he's still kind of big in it, but it looked like he had trimmed down a little bit, thinner at least than he had in some of his other direct to video stuff. And he he was he had energy, he had personality he had a spark in him that was had been missing for for a while i I, watching that i thought like i did when i saw him in machete of course here we have him playing a a hero in the show so i so i like that it was it was i i like that uh, about that it was a seagal that i had missed for for a long time between that and between that and uh and machete so that was that was really cool i mean in yeah, I mean, speaking of accents, uh, I mean, in True Justice, he kind of does that thing that he sort of picked up in his direct-to-video era, which yeah, is... Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, yep. 
Yeah, where he kind of starts talking like the person he's acting opposite of. Like if he's talking, if he's acting opposite a redneck, he starts talking like a redneck. If he's acting opposite a black guy, he starts talking like a black guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he kind of does that a lot in it, which is a little annoying. But at least, at least it actually looks like he's trying in this. And and then the the, the show, which was made almost four years before anyone got to see it although a bunch of the episodes were edited together and released as direct-to-video movies in foreign territories yeah but then it's it plays on the reels channel here in the u.s and it was a big hit they actually four years after season one was shot they picked it up for a second season Mm -hmm. so seagal actually has a hit now that's good. That's good. That's this is actually my first time hearing about this. I thought that just there was that slate of episodes right there and that was it. I didn't know it actually got picked up. Yeah, it got picked up, so they're making new ep- they're actually running a contest on Facebook right now to win a walk-on role on the season 2 premiere. Well, that's cool. That's that's Ooh. I need to I, I I need to see more episodes of it. I I've only seen the well, I guess the first two episodes yeah, I the, guess. The, the, they, uh, yeah. I I saw the the first two were a single 2-hour pilot. Yeah. yeah, I saw them. But I also saw them before they went on reels. I downloaded like the first video release or like a Russian release of it. So Yeah, I think that's what Brian had was some kind of Russian release of it. And I, I watched it and uh it's got holes like no one else's business, but it It's an average I, it's an average cable cop show though. Yeah, it yeah, it is. It it is, it is. And to me to me, honestly, what really made it for me was again seeing Steven Seagal have kind of have that spark back in him that mm-hmm. made it that 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 alone that fact alone made it worth it to me what happened with that reality show Steven Seagal lawman yeah. I heard they just I think they picked it up for another season because it got suspended during the criminal charges of the of the sex slavery they they, oh, they, they okay. suspended it so there's like a two-year gap between season two and three I think it is but okay. then after that was all settled, basically he threw a dump truck full of money at the girls and they went away. Seagal in I Can't Stand His Politics, he is a big proponent of Sheriff Joe Apayo of Texas. That oh. idiot, yeah, that, that absolute moron that doesn't believe in civil rights for criminals. As his job as a deputy, he was working with Apayo to knock down a cockfighting ring. And they used a tank to bulldoze over the side of the building. The wall that the chickens were all up against, crushing all of the chickens they were there to save. Oh, uh, that's so it was just so... sort of a way to go, Seagal. You couldn't have bonehead, boneheaded that up anymore. So instead of yeah. being cock puncher, he was more like cock crusher. Yeah. <laughs> cock crusher, yeah. indeed. Alex, as the control group, now that we've made you sit through all these, now do you see why Brad and I love early Seagal so much? Yes, I, I absolutely do. In fact, I've become a fan of Seagal from watching these movies. So, That's what Sarah said last year. Sarah last year said when we showed her Mark for Death, because that was the first one of his earlier ones that we showed her. And Sarah was Sarah was was like was like, what the hell? Where where has this guy been? Like, this is a completely different guy than I've been seeing on TV lately. Because here's the thing: when I announced on Facebook that we were doing a Steven Seagal filmography overwhelmingly the comments were why steven seagal is a joke why bother he plays the same character in every film and i'm just but thinking, it's a fun character it's a that, exactly, yeah 
yeah, like like what? He's the first action guy to play a similar character in every movie. Really? Come on. It's it's a fun character and he does it well. And in fact, that type of typecasting has come to be called Seagalism. That's always been the case with action guys. Look at John Chuck Wayne. Norris. Look at Chuck Norris. He, Look at Chuck Norris. Chuck that, Norris not play the same character with a different name. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a very action guy. Th- not all of them are like that, but that's that's not un- that's not uncommon. As long as they do it well, as long as it's really entertaining and they make some fun out of it, you know, and they're charismatic at it, that's I have no problem with that. So we need to wrap up, but I love Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal movies are fun. Everything pre-fire down below, I'll watch if it's on cable, and yeah. I own most of them on VHS. And every now and then, I'll pop them in and just. Watch them, just because it takes me back to when Steven Seagal was a real actor. Yeah, I I agree. I I do the same thing. I've got the early ones on VHS. I I still get together with my dad every now and then, and we'll watch uh, Out for Justice or Under Siege. So where can we find Brad Jones? TheCinemaSnob.com Where can we find Suede Alex? Marquis de Suede? (laughs) Geek Juice Media. (laughs) He really likes that Marquis de Suede moniker I gave him. And, yeah, I had somebody message me that the other day. They're like, hey, Marquis de Suede. <laughs> but my, web, uh, my website is still down, so you can find me my at My website Geek is Media. still up. Yeah, geeksmedia.com. Yes. So I'm going to say good night.